up guys this is your host eric thank you for tuning in to another episode of the hollow takes podcast i'm here with uh reese from twitter a lot of you guys may know him uh big up reese today we're going to be talking about the uh raptors roster and just previewing some of the major topics that w- with respect to that roster and and what we might expect this upcoming season so thanks reese for for being here so the first thing that we should talk about is the off-season review you know we should talk about free agency and our draft picks free agency we went into it with a lot of expectations we thought we might see uh jared allen we thought that we might see um you know who was the other center Rashawn holmes uh you know a lot of people had some pretty high expectations i know that you were pretty frustrated when, when even Rashawn <laughs> holmes went and we really were just kind of left with nothing what were you expecting and you know do you think that the raptors what, what do you think about the rap from the raptors point of view do you think it was a good off season oh well with the raptors uh it's clear they have a vision and identity that they would like to uphold. They have a player type, an archetype, whether that be a six, eight, six, nine forward build can do everything, can put the ball in the deck, can go out and run, can guard multiple positions, can even play help side defense, protect the rim. That's what they wanted. I might not have been the biggest fan, but you want to put a little bit of faith into the vision and see how it kind of plays itself out. Yeah, there was missed opportunities you watched last year. You go from having Serge Ibaka and Marcus as your key cogs of how you want to play defensively. Mark, big role as a playmaker, a secondary playmaker um, on any given night and getting shooters open, getting guys open was very effective next to Pascal as well. And then seeing that shift with Aaron Baines and Alex Len now was the, the experiment. And People were optimistic about Aaron Baines. I was a little optimistic about Aaron Baines as well. Me too. Yeah. Phoenix, yeah, he was hitting a lot of shots. He was decent defensively. He wasn't hurting you. Um, and Phoenix wasn't necessarily good, but you weren't going to blame Aaron Baines, right? But that experience, like the experiment just didn't work. He was very bad. Um, <laughs> Alex Len was very bad. And some of it is to do with system. Like, I don't want to blame just the player because Alex Len left to go to, I believe, the Wizards, and he was pretty decent there. They asked him just, you're a seven-footer. You know, park your ass in the paint and, and protect the rim, and he was decent at it and get a, get a few rebounds here, and he was able to do that. Versus, you know, we like our centers to, if need be, you got to get out in space and defend. Uh, you got to go out and contest shots. Um, you know, we want to be switchable. We want to be versatile, and uh, that was a lot to ask of Aaron Baines and Alex Lynn. And then you even saw, you know, Kem Birch get picked off the street, and maybe the role that Orlando asked them wasn't necessarily like he didn't have the greatest career in Orlando right there for a couple of years, but, you know, played about 18 to 20 minutes. He comes in and he just fits, you know, perfectly, Immediately. you know, yep. ready to go. You know, he's athletic, he's mobile, good hands is a good role, man. Underrated playmaker is a role, man. So you, you see it a little bit, you see that vision, but I wanted, I thought that'd be just a stopgap, and you had an opportunity at, Jared Allen is a restricted free agent. There's a lot of things that he can do. Rashawn Holmes, good offensively, has kind of come into his own as a starter in this league. He's a, he's a guy in this league. And they weren't breaking the bank. I, I don't want to say, like, you know, the Raptors, like, to, they pride themselves on, you know, financial flexibility and always being flexible for that next big move. And maybe Rashawn Holmes isn't that guy you want to be you know, constricted by, but that's a good basketball player. And if you're going to believe in that main core of OG Van Fleet, Siakam, they're locked up long-term. They're either entering their prime or they just began their prime. 
you want to support those pieces with good basketball players. And I saw it originally as a missed opportunity, but they really believe in Ken Birch. So they re-signed him. They went out and got Precious Achua. And they're thinking these guys fit our identity of how we want to play. You know, essentially we can guard all five positions at all times and there's no mismatches defensively. And if that's what they wanted, how they want to go about it, you know, the center position is important. If that's what you expect from your centers, we're going to roll with the punches and see what happens. I would have liked some additional scoring punch, but with the possibility of Goran actually staying and playing, that's a good, that's a good bench score for you. And they and they want to, you know, add more to the plate of the OG and Anobis, the Pascal, the Van Fleets. And maybe that's why they shied away from, you know, what we call these hoopers, you know, some of these bucket getters that could have been available, um, that we saw kind of go on some sweetheart deals. Malik Monk and those. The Malik Monks of the world, guys, like yeah. Victor Oladipo, Reups, um, some of those guys that necessarily wouldn't be too expensive. And then not just those guys, but they like Gary Trent a lot. You know, they re-signed him. They see him having a lot of potential. I know our fan base is kind of split on him. I don't think all that highly of him. I do like his shooting ability. And shooting is a premium in this league, and you're going to get paid if you're a good shooter. And then there's Malachi, who's going to take another step, and they want to give him real minutes, and they want to see what they have in him. And then you got Goron to support them. And if that's what they want to do, um, it's not a bad off season, but um, you know, we're coming off a championship two years ago. We're a game away from the conference finals. And if Pascal kind of had his shit together, you're thinking we are going right back to the finals to where we're at right now, where it feels almost as if we're in no man's land a little bit. Um, but it's a wait and see approach. Masai's done it before, you know, I'm kind of confident he'll do it again. So. Yeah. So where do you think, like, if we had to do a zero to 10 skill, 10 being you're absolutely livid, you know, you were number, you were, you were, you had your own fucking, you know, Rishon Holmes fan page and you were just absolutely livid that we didn't go for him or we didn't get Allen. Um, you know, the Cavs snatched him up before anybody got a shot at him, which was smart business from the Cavs, which is a rarity. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if zero is, you know, you're totally calm, you know, next season, uh, next season's um, free agents is go- are going to be way better and 10 being you're absolutely livid. No, we should have gotten something. Where are you? Where do you think that you sit? Uh, so 10 would be the most livid one is you're kind of at peace. Um, I'd say six. I look at everything as like a missed opportunity because I do believe in the core and the, the, the front office believes in the core. They paid these guys big bucks. OGs for 18 Van Fleet. 21 and some change Siakam's on a max deal you believe in these guys you want to surround them with the best available talent and I don't think we should cut corners there but at the same time you know the talent evaluators in that organization they have a really good track record and they really are high on Ken Birch and Precious and if you see those two guys as you know Precious gave you some good flashes last year as a rookie and he gave you a lot of flashes in summer league where it's like not only can he protect the rim he can get the ball he can go there's a little mid range there. He might be able to hit a three ball. He might be able to kind of play making transition not in a half court setting, obviously, but there's some things there. Like the Raptors want to pride themselves on having five or four super athletic, super long guys that can dribble pass, shoot, do everything and not miss a beat and be switchable, be versatile. So if that's what they want to do and that's where they see the direction of this team and this league is going, especially where, come playoff basketball it's all about hunting mismatches right you're gonna one guy can cost your series they're gonna hunt that one guy all season or all you know all playoff series and the raptors don't want any liabilities on the floor and if that's how they see it then we got to go with it but i would have liked a clear-cut upgrade and i do see Rashawn holmes as a clear-cut upgrade i do see jared allen shit um 
we not we might not like him. Daniel Tice is a good center for this system. You know, yeah. he's six eight, but he can get out there in space. He you know in limited you know times guarding Pascal in the bubble in the playoffs did a pretty good job. He played really well against us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's got good hands, can finish plays. So it's like that there were upgrades there. But if they think Kem has another level, and Kem just kept getting better throughout those games, that might have been twenty something twenty some odd games, but got better. And Precious is. He was really good at Memphis when James Wiseman wasn't there. And they, they're thinking he can continue to get better. And Masai and his presser made an emphasis to say, you know, I went out and got you. Like, I've always wanted you. I got you now. Like, let's get to work. So, you know, if that's, if that's the direction of the team, you know, uh, I'm going to have to support it. Whether or not at the moment I was upset because they're going for some sweetheart deals. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, that's actually related to the question I want to ask you. Where would you rate, I guess, Kem Birch? Because he's our starting center now, so let's leave Precious kind of for future discussion. But where would you rate Ken Birch against um, Jared Allen and against Rashawn Holmes? Because I know that against Rashawn Holmes, he had maybe Rashawn Holmes had maybe a couple of extra rebounds on Cam, maybe like one mm-hmm. extra point. You know, so um, I, I believe their minutes were a little bit different. I think Cam played more minutes, but regardless, you know, there isn't. You know, would you say that there's that much of a difference between Birch? and a Rashawn Holmes and a Jared Allen, because like you said, we saw Ken Birch come in from an Orlando team where he was, you know, he was a waiver player. That's, you know, where we got him from. Mm-hmm. And then he turned into, you know, it's not just Ken Birch is a, is a crap player that we happen to be starting. He is <laughs> capable good. of being a starter on an NBA team. He is, you know, and Absolutely. nobody knows where that came from because he wasn't in Orlando. He wasn't a very good player, but for some reason he spends, you know, two months in Toronto and all of a sudden it's almost like he's rejuvenated. He's, he's a totally different player. Absolutely. Now we're going to have, we're going to see him under an, an entire off season with the Raptors development team, with their planning. What are we going to see when, when he comes back? So where do you think that you would rate Kem Birch, you know, against Jared Allen and, and Rashawn Holmes? Do you think well, it's that it- much of an upgrade? It goes to that argument of functional center versus like a franchise center or like a high-end bonafide center, right? So these are all, whether we like it or not, functional centers. Like they're good enough that you want to give them minutes. They don't hurt you when it matters most and they bring some type of value. And with those three players, it's crazy. It's a lot system adjacent with them. Like Rashawn Holmes, it didn't work out with him on the Suns, I believe. And then he comes to the Kings. There's quite a bit of spacing there. You know, you have Halliburton, you have Darren Fox, Harrison Barnes, what Buddy Hill, like they're just it's a bunch of shooters there, right? And then your job is you're gonna clean up, you're gonna get some rebounds, you got a nice mid-range right there. You can potentially bang when when it's needed, you know. So he's getting his 13, 14, and 10. Good defensive rating, like protect the rim. He's athletic enough, like it just worked. Jared Allen was I thought pretty good with the Nets when he started out his career there just block machine or at least started out getting a couple blocks a game now it's kind of lowered since then gets rebounds is a true seven footer has good hands and finishes plays um but again they didn't see his value all that great and he wasn't traded for that much you know what is it a conditional first round pick with a lot of protections and some player that is not even on the team anymore with the Cavs and then Kem Birch, who maybe just kind of out of his role with Orlando, where he's six nine, asked to be a true seven footer, bang with the Embiid's every night, you know, off the bench. We like they're they're the size, like because Vucevic at the time isn't defending anybody, and you need Vucevic to score for you. 
a lot of times you're having Ken Birch come off the bench, they're running jumbo and he's the one that's guarding Embiid, you know? So that might not be his role, but versus the Raptors where it's essentially, we're switching everybody. You're going to protect the paint. You're going to come out in the perimeter, come out in the corner, contest a shot. Once you get a rebound, you might have to go out and run out and go. You have your hands ready at all times. And then even he's shown a couple flashes of the corner ball, you know, corner three ball. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of a hook, a little bit, you know, just a little bit of everything. That's what the Raptors like. They like all five guys to do that. And that's what Ken Birch is. So Ken your point is, is that, so your point is that, you know, it's, he's, he's a, Ken Birch might actually be a better system fit with the Raptors than, you know, Rashawn Holmes would have been particularly because a, the Raptors like their dynamism. Absolutely. And that's what the team decided, right? Because, you know, I was hosting those Twitter spaces with the, with the insider. Um, you heard the athletic and some of these, um, publications say the Raptors are in on these guys. They were talking to Jared Allen. Um, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers came out and said that their biggest threat to lose Jared Allen was the Raptors. The Raptors uh, representation was talking to Rashawn Holmes up until the time that he signed. Right. So they were in on these guys, but the way that they decided is instead of losing our flexibility for um, what would be a potentially a marginal upgrade, let's go ahead and keep Ken Birch who he can do it all for us. We might pair him with a guy like a Precious who's a different look. Maybe at the time they knew that Kyle Lowry signing happened 6 p.m., what, July 6th, right at the start of free agency. So I think at the time the Raptors probably already knew what they were getting back. They were Precious and is the main piece. And they're thinking we got two guys that similar physiques, athletic profiles. Defensively, they pretty much do all the same things. They're going to protect the rim. They can get out in space. They can defend in space, especially in the pick and roll. They're not going to get – killed it's not always going to be drop coverage maybe they can come out in space and defend they got long arms for being six eight six nine and it works for them and on that sweetheart deal of three year what 20 million that's a movable deal if you find if precious becomes like a super clear upgrade and you just need to make money work and move out chem and some assets for an upgrade at a different position you know i i i see i see that so while i don't think chem birch is a, a good as good of a player as Jared Allen or Rashawn Holmes. And maybe the upgrade in talent is quite a bit for a system fit. It might, it might've been just a marginal upgrade at best or not, maybe not even at all. So that's how I kind of see it. And uh, yeah, obviously I would take Holmes. I would take Jared Allen, but the Raptors give a ringing endorsement of Ken Birch. And then you pair in a precious who that wasn't announced until essentially the day or two before the presser. That's what they want to run with. And I'm excited to see how the team looks with just four guys that are super athletic can move. And then you have Fred Van Fleet, who in his own right is a really good defender. So, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, if we can get some of those kind of cuts that we saw with, um, with uh, Precious and Malachi Flynn during the summer league, if we can see some of that with Fred and Ken Birch, then we're in for a very good season. If, if Fred absolutely. can take over that Kyle Lowry feeding the big type of role, you know, spoon feeding the big, then yeah, we're going to be in for a good season. But just as kind of a mm-hmm. sum up, so what do you say if you had to sum up your feeling about the Raptors movement with respect to centers this offseason would you say that you're satisfied happy or or just kind of indifferent um happy under the circumstances and before you answer let me just read out to you some of the the centers that are going to be available next year right because again you were mentioning how cap space is really important to the Raptors and having more cap space means that we can actually be in the market for some of these guys Jonas mm-hmm. Valanciunas Nurkic Aiden, I, I, I believe Aiden might have signed an extension this summer. I could be wrong about that, but um, I think so as well. But yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure off the top of my head. 
Wiseman, Favors, Tristan Thompson, Serge Ibaka, Thomas Bryant, Mobamba. Uh, though I think that we we signed him this season, didn't we? Was it Mobamba that we signed this season? No, uh, Mobamba. Mo it was Isak so Bonga. Isak. Oh yeah, Isak Bonga. Bonga. <laughs> or Isaac Bonga. Bonga's yeah. nice. So, yeah. So those are yeah, those I, are I some of the centers that are available. Andre Drummond, Hassan Whiteside, Marcus Saul, Bulbul. I mean, goddamn, like you know, you got you got a little bit of everything yep. in there. So. So what would you say if you had to sum up your feelings about this? Because me personally, I feel okay. I have a lot of confidence in Ken Birch. If that's what he showed in with, you know, given two months in the Raptors development system, imagine what he's going to look like come October. You know, I have a lot of faith in in Ken Birch. Like you said, I think it's a marginal upgrade. And that's a marginal upgrade with two months on the team in a tanking team in Tampa. Imagine what he's going to look like when everybody's healthy, everybody's fit, everybody's clicking, everybody's back in Toronto. He's good to go, man. Like I honestly think that we're going to see a season from Ken Burch that's going to be right on par with those guys. But what, what if you had to sum up your feelings about the center offseason in the context of who's going to be available next summer and in the context of you know what we might reasonably expect from Ken Burch, what would you say? Well, I would say that um, whether or not you know we sign Ken Burch to a three-year deal at 20, doesn't change the plans if if it doesn't work out because it's a movable deal what is it about i'd like to say just less than seven mil a year six to seven if you divide 20 by three so um how i see it as everything with the raptors is still a prove me deal anyone can be traded Masai traded demar Derozan, right he's traded Jonas valanciunas he'll he'll trade a fan favorite if it makes the team better. And if he sees that next summer is a clear upgrade, he's going to give these guys an opportunity, right? He clearly believes in them. He put his money where his mouth is on it. And, you know, there's things to like with Ken Birch. He's getting better. They want him to expand his, like his range. He is shooting the ball and he wasn't shooting the ball at all at Orlando. And then comes in, he's shooting a mid range. He's in two months, in, in, literally in two months. And that's, you know, a testament to the skills development of that coaching staff. Um, another thing that, the excitement with Ken Birch, even more so than the defensive end, which Nick Nurse is a defensive guru, he'll figure it out, even with a down year defensively, is the Raptors, while they can sometimes get to the rim, have problems finishing there. Van Fleet on a pick and roll with Ken, the appeal there is Aaron Baines' hands were awful. His finishing at the rim was awful. Kem has good hands, like football player hands, and it's not scared to go up and get it. And if they like super collapse the paint, has shown he's got that little bit of a, fo- a floater, a little bit of a hook, maybe even a little bit of a mid-range. So, like, there's some dynamism to his game a little bit that he didn't even just think to, that he had. And just to interrupt you real quick, just to, like, mention, actually, oh, we saw in Summer League when, when how many assists that Malachi Flynn and Scotty Barnes were both robbed of because Freddie Gillespie couldn't catch the goddamn ball. Absolutely. And so it's I crazy. Guess, yeah, with Aaron Baines being so bad, it's crazy. Gillespie looked pretty decent with us, right? You were thinking, yeah. like – Hey, Freddie might actually, you know, get some real minutes and he's, you know, back on the team. Like, it's, I don't think it's a guaranteed deal, but they're going to give him every opportunity because Aaron Baines and Alex Len were so bad. Gillespie would come in four or five blocks and his hands looked awful in summer league, but they didn't look that bad in the season. Right. So it's just like someone that can functionally do things that are conducive to winning basketball. I can catch the basketball as a role man. I can finish at the rim. Another value of Ken Birch's game is his playmaking as a role man. He can catch the ball, make a decision that, hey, if the paint is, if there's not a look there for me, I can kick out to the corner. I can, you know, I can swing the ball to, you know, back to the break. There's there's things there that you like to see. And it, it kept the offense flowing. And then defensively, the value there is because he's athletic. 
can get out in space and he's a good enough rim protector. They're all good enough rim protectors, him, Pascal, even OG to an extent. And then you add a Scotty Barnes who will be able to do some of those things too. So yeah, there's some excitement, especially on the offensive end and the Raptors weakness, you know, and we'll get to that um, throughout this episode is that there's some issues offensively and they need to find a way to get easy buckets. Fred doesn't have a problem getting to the rim. His biggest problem is finishing at the rim. So a lot of his game is I want to see that more pick and roll with Kem or even Scotty or even Pascal pick and roll with Kem where there's the option where if they play drop, I can shoot. Um, if they play up on me, I can trust that I can either oop it to Kem or it's a good roll man pass. And if they collapse on him quickly and the defense recovers quickly, he had, he's a good enough playmaker that he can swing. And, and that's, that's some of the value I saw in Kem, even more so than the defensive yep. side. So. Yeah, and just kind of like adding on as well that, you know, you mentioned the word versatility, and I think that was that's exactly it, isn't it? Like, you know, Ken Birch has such a versatile offensive package. He's got, we saw some shades of a floater. We saw mm-hmm. a nice hook shot. We saw a three. We saw a mid-range. You know, he, he was pretty good. And what I, what I was, re- I don't know if you saw me while you were talking, but like you mentioned his playmaking, and I was like, finally somebody yeah. <laughs> somebody's bringing it up. That he's he's actually he's probably by far a better playmaker than than Jared Allen and and um, absolutely and, uh, right and and uh, and Rishon Holmes and that's you know a lot of that is probably to do with his height. When, if you're six nine, then you know you you should be a little bit more agile, mobile, um, both offensively and defensively, and you should be a slightly better playmaker and shooter, right? Because you've got mm-hmm. typically a smaller wingspan and et cetera. But yeah, no, those were all good. Those those were all really good points. So if you had to sum it up in one word, satisfied, happy, disappointed, indifferent. Well, how, how do you feel about the Raptors? Uh, excited, even? About I'll the give you a different phrase. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let me give you a different phrase. Uh, cautiously optimistic. Right. Does that work? So yeah, just, no. You know, I think there is value to having a true seven-footer that can protect the rim and deter shots at the rim because you, the way the direction of the league is went, especially post-Warriors basketball is, shots are at the rim or shots are from three. So a true seven footer or just anybody regardless, irregardless of height that can truly alter shots is it's second to none. Um, and more so than Kim, I'm excited. And I've seen a lot of hype with precious Achua of him being like, he'll never be the offensive player. Bam out of bio is as a playmaker, as a ball handler. But if he can give you 30% of what Bam gives you offensively, especially more so transition and then just hit a corner three, which Bam can't even do, but Bam's a great playmaker, but give you that defensive versatility where, while also being an elite rim protector at six, nine, that can also come out and guard in space and legitimately guard wings. Um, that's, I see a lot of optimism and that's the direction of, I don't want to say the league, the Raptors kind of want to be the trendsetters there. They want guys that are switchable. I can guard big, long athletic wings that can shoot. I can deter shots at the rim. And I like Kem's offensive ability just because the Raptors need to find ways to get easy buckets. And I like Precious Achua's defense. I wish you could just combine the two to make a mega center there. But having both, uh, I'm optimistic because Kem gave no one a reason to, you know, to doubt his ability, especially the way he played with the Raptors. And Precious young player coming out of Memphis. He was a dog at Memphis. He would, he was nice. Yeah. I don't, I didn't think he was all that great as a rookie, but he showed flashes. The games that he were, was good. He was really good. And that included against the Raptors. He had a good game against the Raptors uh, um, last season. So cautiously optimistic. I wish we had those elite centers because they do so much for you. They deter shots at the rim. And then they're also 
They can be low post threat. A lot of these centers can now shoot and play make like Embiid and Jokic and whatnot. But, but our guys so, might be be able to do exactly that is what you're saying. Yeah, like if you can just have some of them that can take bits and pieces of what the elites can do. And, and you know, Nick Nurse will stagger the minutes. He'll he'll get the right combinations. But there's they both have good value. And in hindsight, they might be better system fits for what this organization wants to do than some of the guys that I was interested in. Um, but so there's there's optimism there and we'll see. And believe me, if it doesn't work out, I'll be the first to say, yo, like there was an opportunity, you know, at, at some upgrades here. So, right. Yeah. And to be honest, if, if you know, if Masai knew this whole time that what they were going to be getting back for Lowry was precious, then that's another reason why you might want to wait until next year to make a move for a center because you're probably not going to be contending this year with the Brooklyn Nets and the Bucks and all that, you know, um, so it, it, it mm-hmm. would make a lot of sense on a lot of fronts. Yeah, me personally, I, I'd say I'm excited, actually. I'd even take it a step further than you, not only cautiously optimistic, I have a lot of faith in Masai that he knows what he's doing. Um, Absolutely. But particularly because, I mean, we so like a lot of people were bashing the return that we got for Lowry, and then they saw Precious play, and they were like, all right, I'm going through that again. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that's... Absolutely. You know, Precious absolutely destroyed it. And if Kem Birch can show any kind of leap from what he from what we saw last season, oh man. Like, oh man. You take that Kem Birch from last season, you put him in Toronto, and he's already gonna be better. Now you give him an off season with the Raptors development team, then look what he looks like. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I'd rather put my faith in Kem Birch and Precious, both of which, like you said, are, you know, they're marginally lesser players you could say than the alternatives that we had this window and they're also significantly cheaper and there's a potential there's a possibility that they might actually turn out to be just as good if not better this very season so yeah i agree with all the points you made man and that's a good way that you said it with the system fit oh but yeah go ahead i just wanted to reiterate the point that you made was a good point that even though they might be marginally less they're significantly cheaper and in the long run they might be better system fits for the team so exactly i really like the system fit point yeah all right so let's quickly move on to finish the offseason review let's talk about our draft pick so we picked scotty barnes delano banton and uh, david johnson what are your thoughts on those three um let's also kind of frame it in terms of what do you think their present value is like right now and what do you think their future value could be we could go one at a time if you want yeah uh we can start off with scotty um watch quite a bit of college hoops. Um, it's, it's, we have so much like resources to follow some of these elite prospects, even while yep. they're in high school. So uh, yeah, you know about Scotty Barnes, um, the alternative, the only alternative outside of Scotty Barnes at that spot was Jalen Suggs, who very high on, I just think the direction of the game, especially with guards, he's a do it all guard that has some real shot creation upside and doesn't hurt you defensively. He's actually an elite defender at every level. You know, you like his athletic profile as a former quarterback. He's also kind of growing into his body a little bit from transitioning from a football quarterback body to a a little leaner basketball body. And he's playing more basketball than he's ever been. You know, football is demanding. He was an elite prospect. He's getting Big Ten offers, SEC offers, which you have to be pretty good. I think he was both Mr. Minnesota basketball and Mr. Minnesota football. So, um the first athlete to ever do that in that state. So in terms of just upside, it's just easy. Like he's not playing six months out the year quarterback. And then summer you're playing, you know, you're getting ready for camp. You're gearing up for that. And then come springtime, you're doing 
elite 11, seven on seven, some of these other things to get your star rating up. He's not doing any, it's 12 months of basketball and playing basketball five, six months out the year and has already shown what he's capable of. And then just, and you heard what he said. He, he said during that, during the pre-draft process, he said the second that uh, football season comes around, I put all the basketball stuff away. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just, and already has the mindset and it might be because he's a quarterback and everything runs through them. If you win, you're the star. If you lose, it's all on you. He has that kind of mindset that I want to make the big play. I want to hit the big shot and his tournament run. He was arguably the best player in the NCAA tournament as a freshman hit bit like the UCLA game. Everyone talks about it. You know, you're down, you make a big block, you have a good recovery block. You turn it into a, just a, a transition, just, a transition, beautiful transition pass, bounce pass. Yeah. Like, come on. And, and that's not even the best play in those last two minutes hitting a half court shot. Yeah. It's just, he tailed off a little bit in conference play, non-conference play against Kansas game. One of the season dominant 20 plus points. And this is Kansas. That's a blue, blue blood. Uh, For those of our viewers who can't tell Reese was a very big Suggs fan. and was very disappointed when we ended up picking <laughs> Scotty Barnes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's not so much. I'm disappointed in Scotty and I'll get to Scotty here real quick. Um, just the idea of you have all these long athletic wings on this team wing is a strength of this organization and you can't have enough of them. And that's why when we get to Scotty, we'll talk about that, but uh, bring it all together, like franchise guard. I don't even want to call him a point guard or a shooting guard, just a franchise guard who, when you need an elite playmaking, uh, you know, opportunity or an elite pass, he'll get it to you. If you need an elite steal and go, he'll get it to you. If you need an elite shot, I need a three. I'm going to go get us a three. It's almost like I, I was calling him like six, four Kyle Lowry. Just a lot of the, he makes the hustle plays like he, that's what he I sticks, said. <laughs> yeah. He sticks his ass out to get a rebound. He'll do all of those things. And it's just, it's so easy to fall in love with the kid, but then, so yeah, there's disappointment there and you, you can see the projection a little easier than Scotty, right. Versus Scotty is, is a real project. Athletic project. He, yeah. Yeah. Athletically he's gifted like six, eight, six, nine growing. Some people are saying he's close. Nick Nurse came out and said he's closer to 6'10". Six, yeah, he's 6'9", 7'4", wingspan, and he's got, like, hands almost the size of Kawhi's. I think it's, like, an exactly. inch shorter than Kawhi's hands. Exactly. And from everything that I'm hearing, everything that the, the Raptors are hearing, the fans are hearing, super gym rat, super likable. Um, in terms of his basketball ability, good, but good ball handler at that size. I'm not going to say he has guard handles. He doesn't. But – he truly ran the point at Florida State. Initially, he came off the bench throughout the season as it went along. He's one of their best players. He was their true floor general, true playmaker. He set up the half-court offense. When, when he gets a rebound or they make a defensive play and they go out and run, he's just an open-court like demon with, with his vision. He's a threat to finish, obviously, because he's not an explosive athlete yet. They're banking yeah. on them him being able to get there because he's still growing in his body he's really big at 19 years old and it's a freak of nature so he doesn't know his own strength his and wing, explosiveness yet his wingspan was what, what was it seven two point five at the combine or maybe seven three at the combine and then it ended up being seven four by the time we drafted him so yeah, yeah he, he is absolutely sense. still growing and a, yeah. and a point i just wanted to add as well is that a lot of people have raised the point that you know not only does scotty barnes have all these physical attributes but he's he's a great dude like he decided you mentioned that he came off the bench and a lot of people i don't know i think maybe some of our viewers might be like really yeah he came off the bench and he even though he was you know I, i'd say definitely their best player 
So, you know, there might be some argument with that, but, you know, he decided to come off the bench because he thought that, you know, that would be more useful. He could have easily been like, yo, like, I, I, I should be starting, blah, 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 blah. But um, I, I know Yahoo Sports did an interview with that guy. You and I have talked about this and uh, he was like the father of one of Scotty's teammates. And he was talking about how great, like, you know, how Scotty made that cautious, de- conscious decision to come off the bench instead, because he thought that that, you know, the coach and him agreed that that would be best for the team. So, you know, not Absolutely. only does he have all the physical attributes that you're saying, but he also has just a great, a great person. And that should factor into his, you know, our discussion Absolutely. of what we think his present value is. Absolutely. And uh, a kid like him, five-star top 10 recruit, Again, those kids can decide where they want to go. They decide their playmaking, whether that be with their family or they have a quote-unquote advisor. Uh, yeah, he's just – Florida State gets guys into the NBA. They get guys developing. And, you know, you always see that there's another ceiling with them. And Jonathan Isaac's one. Patrick Williams is another. Um, who am I missing? There's another player. He got drafted last year first round. That's another good player. Um Hopefully I can remember him at some point. So Florida state guys are NBA ready. They play the right way. They make winning plays. And the appeal with Scotty is you don't know what you're getting yet because he kind of surprises you by adding a new element to this game. And it happened at Florida state where he went from being a traditional four at high school. Cade Cunningham is the point guard. You have Moses Moody on that team. Who's your bucket getter. So he's like, you're doing all around do it on offense. I'm going to pass if I need to. I'm going to finish plays. And on defense, I can guard one through five. And then all of a sudden, he comes to Florida State as a point guard. He's a transition demon, one of the best transition players. He's a true pick and roll threat, like actually above average as a freshman, as a pick and roll creator, and even as a finisher. He has good touch around the rim. I think his finish around the rim is 68, 69%. Um, And this is with some deficiencies in his game that you're thinking if you get him up to speed, if you can help that, the jump shot mechanics and if the Raptors can't help you, no one can help. Nobody you. can. Yeah. And he, and, and he's shown the willingness to work and the, de- the defensive profile of being a true <laughs> one through five. And maybe the true one through five is going to come over time. Cause I don't know if he's quick enough yet to guard the good ones and twos, but three through five, you're not missing a beat. You have Siakam, OG, and then Scotty and say, if they want to go small, you go, go small against a team like the Nets and you have like, Van Fleet, OG, Siakam, Barnes, and Precious, like, you can go small and guard anybody. Like, the appeal is there. The ball handling for someone his size is very appealing. The pick-and-roll creation as a playmaker, he's actually a very natural playmaker in the half-court, and I know that's a big problem with the Raptors. Um, Probably our best half-court playmaker, I'd say, might be Siakam, right, just because he commands so much attention. Someone like a Scotty Barnes is a very good playmaker out the pick-and-roll runs offensive sets is a pinpoint passer, like accurate. And sometimes it's not so much about the no look passes and whatnot. Sometimes is if someone is coming off a pin down into a screen, can you get the ball right in their chest where they can get up and get a good, just the little things, the little details as and the, a playmaker. He does. Yeah. That, and, so. and, the, and just building on your point about how the tools are all there. The second that he starts to learn how to develop his offensive game a little bit, then the floor is going to open up for him and his playmaking will actually become more productive. You know, Absolutely. he, his, his passes will then become assists because he's commanding more, more attention on the inside, on the perimeter. He might, hopefully he can start commanding doubles. You know, he can become that kind of Kawhi Giannis type of player. And then, you know, then the sky's really the limit, you know, he could, Absolutely. he could be an all-time player. So yeah, I totally agree. So if you had to just summarize though, you know, if we had to like narrow it down to present and future value, what do you think he's going to be? And, you know, what do you think he is right now? 
And what do you think that he's going to be? What do you think his ceiling is? I think this upcoming season, he's probably going to be a, I'd like to say a seven man. He's going to play around 18 to 22 minutes to start off the season. He's going to be an energy guy, grab a rebound and go a lot of your early day Pascal Siakam, right? I, mm-hmm. I'd like, let's call him second year Siakam, not even rookie year Siakam. So grab a rebound and go. You might have to, while you're on the floor, guard the toughest opposition, right? Like a la OG, a la Pascal, when they're starting out young, they're not playing 30 minutes a night, 35 minutes a night. But when you're in the, when you're on the floor, you're going to have a tough defensive assignment. You're going to be an energy guy. When you grab a rebound, you're going to make a play uh, in the open floor in transition. You're going to finish plays in the half court, whether that be as a role man, as a cutter, some of those early things from him. And I expect them. I'm not going to call him a league average shooter right away, but if you're a slightly below average league shooter, say around 33, 34%, something along those lines, that there's value there. Do it all guy. I can finish plays. I can hit a corner three ball. I can defend. I can switch. I can deter shots at the rim. That's what he's going to be early. And then in the future, the more you see him like, the three ball, the mechanics just look night and day. He made a lot of free throws in summer league. I remember watching in high school. It's just the, that's how he's shooting. And now he's got like a <laughs> real follow through. Like it's also like just getting used to your body. Yeah. Broad shoulders. Big Especially guy. when you're still growing. Like exactly. Right. Like you can wake up one morning, you're, you're an inch taller randomly. And it's just, you move a little more sluggish. So I think his future value, I can see him being a true secondary creator. I can see the potential post game as a score because he's so big, especially against mismatches. And he likes to bully kids. He likes to bully people in general. And he has a big mouth. I think the jump shot will get there. And I also would not be surprised if because he's such a good pick and roll creator off rip, he knows he needs a counter. You know, if everyone is playing drop on you or everyone is just, I'm not worried about you as a scorer, there's a lot of opportunity to get reps as a mid range shooter. And because he's so long and athletic and can shoot over you, I see some value there as, let me go ahead and just see if I can hit that 10 footer. And if he puts that all together, especially with the defensive profile, maybe he's not a 20 plus a game guy, but if he becomes a 17, 18 point a game guy, gives you six, seven, eight assists and is an elite defender, uh, his game's a little different than a Ben Simmons type. But if he becomes like a jump shooting Ben Simmons, who's a little less explosive as a transition score, just I can just dunk on people. Um, like there's real value. That's an all, that's an all-star level guy. And that's like a championship third, fourth option. Some people have a little more of a higher ceiling as a score. If he gets to 20 plus, I would not be surprised just because the athletic profile is crazy. He can legit, like you saw in summer league, he had a mid range shot versus the Knicks. He didn't even jump shot right over you swish, you know, and right after the fake pass too, which is a little bit more difficult when you're doing it in motion like that. Absolutely. So just, the Raptors are banking on having the best shooting, you know, coaching staff in the organization. And if you can get him to like a league average shooter and he grows in his body and becomes be a little more explosive, like shit, he could get to being a 20 plus guy where you just, all right, well, if we leave him open, he's going to shoot league average, which is very good for someone, his archetype. And then if we try to contest his shots, he's going to blow by us and make either an open pass or he's going to dunk on someone and start dancing. So yeah, I think I think there's an all-star ceiling there for him. I truly believe there's yeah. an all-star ceiling for him. So me too. I, I I honestly think that as long as he, I agree with everything that you said. But for me, more specifically, I think that if he can just develop the Giannis kind of finishing skill set, 
You know, if he can just develop a nice, his best, his best move in college, I've always said it was his hook shot, it seemed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that seemed to be the one that he was able to hit with the most consistency. I don't know if that's true statistically, but from what I saw, mm-hmm. that's what it looked like. And um, we didn't see too much of it in summer league, but if he can just develop a really, really nice skill set of, you know, just post moves and a mid range, like I don't even care if he's a 20% shooter from three, I don't care about that with his playmaking. All you need to do is just command a little bit more attention inside of the paint. And that's it with with your playmaking ability, you're going to be an an incredibly invaluable uh, player for, for, you know, for the rest of your career. So you hit the nail on the head. My final point on that is the optimism of him growing that offensive skill set is he has good touch. Like he can make shots off the glass, which that's really nice. That's a nice weapon to have. Um, he has that little push shot already, which is kind of awkward, but it goes in. It's also it's almost like the appeal with Pascal Siakam was Siakam for someone that size has so much wiggle, but also just makes a bunch. He has an array of just weird shots that go in with either hand off a spin. It looks awkward. It might be a push. It might be a hook. It might be a contest and it goes in. And I don't want to say Scotty has the wiggle Siakam does. He doesn't. Siakam is a crazy breed when it comes to that, but he has good touch around the rim with both hands and he can make those awkward shots. So it's just about, can we add like the compact stuff with him, the compact offensive skill set? Can you get mm-hmm. a turnaround jumper? Uh, can you turn make a turnaround hook? Um, can you put your shoulder in someone in and, you know, try to lay it up over just a little, a little basic elementary stuff, but that's going to come with, this is his, you know, outside of Florida state where he actually got the ball in his hands. He's a five-star that never really had the ball all the time. He played with mm-hmm. Kate and Moses and he's always played with other superstars and he was a dude all around forward. I think the Raptors want to develop him as a, you're going to have the ball a lot. You're going to make plays for other people and you're going to have to learn how to make plays for yourself. And you brought up the Giannis thing. Well, the, the excitement there was Giannis was essentially a 6'10 guard, you know, in Greece. Essentially, like he was ball handling, he was making plays for others, couldn't really score yet. He was kind of skinny, couldn't really finish, you know, can kind of shoot, but not really. But 6'10 gym rat who can dribble the ball, play make, and was an elite defender. Like that's familiar appeal. Very familiar <laughs> with Scotty. So I could see the appeal there. Yeah, no, 100%. And, um, you know, like you said, all he has to do to become a really great player is do all of the basic stuff learn to be able to do all of the basic stuff like like you were talking about at least offensively but what we were seeing in summer league was not basic stuff we were seeing some pretty scary stuff like you mentioned turnaround jumpers this dude done turned into Kawhi. <laughs> like the, the turnaround fade oh my and we, god and we saw against the hornets uh it started in the third quarter when he hit that three um that that pull up that one dribble pull up three and then in the fourth quarter there was that stretch, that two or three minute stretch where he scored on like four, maybe maybe four or five consecutive possessions. He had like a hook shot. He had a dunk. Uh, he had a transition layup that was, I think, like robbed of him or a transition dunk that was robbed of him because like, yep, yeah, of yep. an early foul. <laughs> he had that turnaround jumper. He had, you know, he was just... He, he had, yeah, I don't know if I mentioned it, but he had that kind of like, um, that kind of like bump push off and then hook shot, which is exactly what we saw at Florida State. Oh. So, you know, we didn't just see a guy who's capable of doing the basic stuff. And, you know, as long as he just keeps up everything else at a decent level, then he's going to be a great player. We saw someone who can not only do basic stuff, but can do the amazing as well. So that's another thing that's really interesting about him. Yeah, good points. Um, let's quickly go through Delano Banton and uh, David Johnson. What do you think about Delano Banton? What do you think he can provide us immediately uh, if he were to be on the Raptors, like the, the main roster? So 
I'll just say straight up, I think he's going to be playing in the G League quite a bit, possibly the whole season. Um, at that spot, I don't, I don't know where he was ranked. Some had him either right around that range or as an undrafted free agent. And I might have only seen like one game of his in college because he played at Nebraska and like uh, a Michigan fan. And Nebraska was just not very good. Um, so at that spot, yeah, like there was the appeal of the Sharif Coopers, who I think is fantastic. I've seen a lot of him. And then BJ Boston is a, wasn't good in college, but if you were going to take a swing for the fences, you want that type of guy. But and for the, the record, Raptors like during, are, if you remember during draft night, the entire Raptors fan base was like Sharif Cooper and BJ Boston are still on the board. Yes, if please. Masai doesn't do this, we're, we're going to have to find a new franchise. Absolutely. Yeah. We're, and I was, I was spearheading that. I was one of the people freaking out. But my thing with the second round is, you're not trying to play it safe with the second round. It's kind of a swing for the fences because you're also bringing in undrafted guys, your summer league guys, your A-10 contracts. So like if you're trying to find a real rotational piece, what you can either bargain shop in free agency or you can see a little more steady person. The appeal with him is that's a six, nine point guard who can legitimately handle the ball, has legitimate ball handling skill set, like a nice hezzy. His nice handle. Crossover. Yeah. And like he can kind of get to the rim and if he can't get to the rim he's six nine he's just gonna try to shoot it over you there's a appeal there and he's a, a good enough defender i know he got dunked on and shit like that but oh no he defender. was a great defender in the summer league like that was Absolutely. really really impressive he made i think i think no i don't think he made our all de, all uh summer league defensive team but he came pretty close because we we saw how many blocks he got like you know he yeah, was absolutely. he was really impressive defensively he's a stud and that goes to the raptors future right they want and you know Van Fleet's a good player. I don't know how much longer Van Fleet's going to be, or maybe a couple years, maybe the rest of his career, but the Raptors have a type that they envision themselves. And Nick Nurse and Masai said this. At one point, they're throwing out five guys that are all 6'9", can all switch, can all ball handle, do these things. And they're taking a swing on the fences that he's got ball handling ability. He's a, actually a very good passer in the half court because he's so tall, he can see right over you. And he's making pinpoint quarterback passes. That's the appeal, right? And he's a good defender. So it's a good project. The thing with him is the NBA doesn't give a shit about if you're a good passer and a good defender. You you need to keep defenses honest. And his self-creation is lacking a little bit. So he doesn't he can't shoot at all yet. Not a good shooter yet. Yeah. And, and he's not necessarily a good finisher at the rim yet because he's so long and athletic and tall. Like, and he's kind of strong for being skinny. Like, so yep. he can kind of bully you, but he doesn't really get past you. Yep. And it's and always a good... I always said that he's he's not a great he's not an elite finisher. He is a an elite contact finisher. When when he has to go into through contact, he will finish at an above average rate. Yeah, you're more likely to see him get eight points than twenty, but those eight points were all and ones. Like he's one yep. of those, right? Yep. And so I like that as a project. There were better players there, but the Raptors have a type. They want to swing for the fences, and I'm cool with that. And I, I I'm gonna try to catch a couple G League games. I, I'd like to see him. Uh, I'm excited about him. So, Bro, let's go together, fam. Like, yeah, I'm, let's do, I'm let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so what do you think about David Johnson real real quickly then? Um, I know he's probably the, you know, the, the one we see we saw least of, um, you know, from summer league. He got injured kind of early. He missed the last couple of games. What were your kind of impressions on, on, on David Johnson? So I don't know too much of David Johnson's game, uh, summer league, and then some of his uh, Louisville highlights. Um, again, Louisville, that's a blue blood program they get guys into the league they're usually pro ready whether that be nba or europe or g league um there's things to like again fits the profile um 
not necessarily like six, seven, six, eight, six, nine. I think he's more around like six, five along those lines, but tough, versatile defender hits shots. And he's shown flashes of some shot creation there. And I'm pretty sure the Raptors came out for not only him, but Delano, if these guys stayed in college another year and came out next year, you're looking at, they're knocking on the door of the lottery. So that's, you yep. like to hear things like that. So uh, again, it's, I can defend at the very least one through three. I, David Johnson can hit shots. So I'm going to hit open shots. And then I've shown little flashes here and there that I could put the ball in the deck. I could potentially shoot over people. I could potentially make plays um, in the half court setting as a, as a primary ball hand. Now, but he's not going to be a primary ball handler at the next level if he makes it. But you want to see someone that can, he's not scared to dribble the ball after, you know, on a closeout and attack the rim or hit, you know, hit you with a kind of like a mid range, you know, because yep. just because you can shoot, you know, someone's just going to stay on you, right? Unless you're, yep. you have elite creators for you, like the Trey Youngs and the Lucas of the world, right? Yeah. Um, that's just the direction of the league going. You need to, you need to have some substance to your game beyond shooting. And he's athletic enough that if he can attack closeouts, make other types of plays there, there's things to like there. But again, you had back-to-back picks. There were prospects there that I liked at that position. Um, but some scouts that, you know, like shout out like Robel and stuff like that. There's a few of them. Uh, that are really high on him, actually. And he's another guy that they said, if he stayed in college, let him refine his game a little bit. He was going to have a bigger role if he stayed at Louisville next year, that that's potentially a guy that maybe not a lottery pick, but is knocking on the door of the lottery, whether that be the late teens, early 20s. So It very well could be because his shot creation was extremely impressive. I mean, we saw, um, I I think a lot of people said, um, or at least our guy KJ said that he kind of reminded him of, of a Norm Powell type prospect which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of reasonable. You know, he's not awesome. a particularly good defender. Uh, he can shoot at least to a, to a decent level. At least he's showing flashes that he can shoot at, at an NBA level uh, that mm-hmm. he can create for himself, you know, possibly. There were, you know, so there, there are some shades of that. But I also think, you know, if he can just become kind of like uh, whatever Malik Monk is projected to become, you know what I mean? He doesn't need to be a fantastic defender. He doesn't need to be quite like a catch and shoot, you know, type player. He could just be somebody who can, who, like you said, has confidence to just put the ball on the floor and, and you know, take a shot from, you know, if he can just become a, a three-level scorer, <laughs> just, you know, and, and that's it, that's nice. okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's a perfect rotation Absolutely. player, and, you know. So, yeah, okay, cool. So, Let's quickly move on to the starting five lineup prediction. Let's just see. How about you give yours, and then we'll see if we're in agreement, because I think we might be. May I give you two? Can I give you one that started the year and then what I think is going to be end of the year? Okay, I think you're going to start off with Van Fleet. You're going to have Gary Trent at the two. You're going to have OG at the three. You're going to have Pascal at the four and Kem at the five. Ultimately, and this is no slight to anybody, I just think this is the direction of the team. If this is Fred Van Vliet, Slander, Reese... No, not at all. Unfortunately, all right. uh, not at not at all. Um, I could see a world where it's Van Fleet, it's OG, it's Scotty, it's Pascal, and then one of Kem Birch. Yeah, let's let's keep it Kem. I almost said Precious, but let's keep it Kem. So yeah, not a true shooting guard on the floor, but they run three wings: Scotty, OG, Pascal, with Kem Birch, and then Van Fleet playing point. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think that if Gary Trent doesn't show what he should, then I think OG will be slotted in at that two spot, and I think you will see Scotty Barnes come in. I 100% agree. So mm-hmm. let's just say we're in agreement with respect to the starting five and the backup starting five under that condition. There we, here we uh, go. Who would, let's, let's take the first starting five because that's what we're most likely to see on opening night. 
you know, Fred mm-hmm. Van Vliet, Gary Trent, OG, Pascal Kem. Yep. Let's go real quickly. Who do you think would be the five man? Like, who do you think would be the backup point guard, shooting guard, small forward, all the way to the five? So who do you think is your bench mob of your five? Yeah, and I'll even uh, add, like, their role in minutes uh, real quick. Um, I, we'll I think get, we'll per- get into that later. We'll, we'll get into okay, that okay. a little bit later, but... Backup point guard is going to be Malachi. The backup two is going to be Goran. Backup three is going to be Scotty. Um, backup four, uh, let's say, let, who do we got? Would let me Utah? let me interrupt real quick. I I kind of think that you like. I don't think Utah could play the four as well as he could play the three. But Scotty can play whatever the hell he wants. So I think yeah. let's say Utah at the three and Scotty at the four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interchangeable. And then you got Precious as your backup five. And, and I don't even think. Price is the true five. Like he's just he's just like four or five tweener, right? So that's gonna be your like Robert Williams. Pick. That's essentially you know what I mean. Exactly. And I know you're I know you're a fan of Robert Williams a little bit, which yeah, is he's nice. A dog. Yeah, but he's nice that's what guy. I'm saying. I, I was always saying that you know Precious could be a, a Robert Williams type player for us, except one that I can actually shoot the three ball. Absolutely, so, absolutely. And Robert was nice versus the Nets. He was he was nice versus the Nets. So. Oh yeah. And so that mm-hmm. yeah, what was it? Twenty five minutes, and he had almost a triple double with blocks. Like yep, yeah, no, yeah with he's a turf stud. toe playing injured against the best big three that has ever been assembled. You know, so that's anyways, <laughs> y'all know how I feel about Robert Williams. But you know, that was another reason that I kind of wanted to bring up earlier about how you know that's another reason why I feel more confident in our in our off season. Like I don't care that we didn't get a center; we got somebody who could possibly be just as good as Robert Williams or better. Robert Williams mm-hmm. with a jump shot. Give me that over whoever the hell absolutely, else you got for me. Yes, sir. Right. That'd so, be nice. All right. So that's that would probably be our prediction. Then yeah, that makes that makes that makes total sense. I don't think that there's any real argument, you know, against. Yeah. What's your five? Bully. If you if you, if you had a no, that's one. I I totally agree with you. I don't think that there was really a lot of room for debate. I just wanted to see if we did oh, have no. any any kind of disagreement. But it seems that we yeah you know like Goran Dragic. I could see him maybe coming at the one and then Malachi at the two. Depends who's going to be the better shooter. Uh, Malachi mm-hmm. seems to be a better shot creator than than Goron right now. I, I I might even endeavor to say that. And if that's the case, then you're probably more likely to see him as an undersized two than the backup one. Because uh, mm-hmm. maybe maybe especially if Goran doesn't want to be there, it's easy to just sit back and make plays if you're you know lacking motivation. So they might. That's mm-hmm. another reason why they might play him at the one. But other than that, yeah, man, I I you know I think I think it's difficult to not see Chris Boucher in there. Oh yeah! Oh to... my God, Slim! Oh Slim Boucher! Oh my apologies! You know, yeah, Chris is I playing think... a lot. Chris is a dog. yeah. So I think you'd have to see Chris Boucher in either at the four or five. Um, Precious is just so good, but you know, um, and I guess that Chris Boucher thing will come in later when we talk about possible possible roster moves. But yeah, I'd, I'd say you know, let's say that that would be the the backup starting five. We'd say maybe um, Scotty slash Boucher at the four. Yep, because oh, Scotty yeah. can play Chris, all Chris across the board. Scotty can Absolutely. play all across the board. So if you don't want to play Malachi, say for example, depending on matchup, right? If you're against Ben Simmons, you don't want to play Malachi at the one. <laughs> you no, know what absolutely. I mean? You're gonna put Scotty on. So I'll tell um, you what, if you if they shorten the bench, it's gonna be more Scotty and Chris than it is. Well, Malachi one of Malachi and Goron are gonna figure into that. If you like really shrink the bench a little bit, if you say you run an eight-man unit, say this team makes the playoffs, it's gonna be whatever combination of Scotty and Gary that doesn't start. It's going to be Chris and it's going to be one of the guards, Malachi. Like that's Chris Boucher is good. And I'm sick. I forgot him. That's my guy. So I'm very happy. <laughs> so. Somebody always forgets him when we do these kinds of things. We always forget somebody <laughs> important. 
Yo, thank you guys for watching that episode. Big shout out to Eric and Reese for, you know, breaking everything down and giving us their roster preview, their opinion, their input on everything in regards to the Raptors for this upcoming season. Uh, the next week episode is pretty much going to be a continuation of this current episode. Think of it as part two where we talk about more of the stats prediction and some other little juicy things that I really don't want to give away. So make sure to join us next week for part two and don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram at Hall of Takes. And most importantly, don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Music. And yeah, if you have any questions, if you want to join our polls, daily polls, uh, anything like that, just follow us on Instagram and yeah, we'll see you there. And make sure to follow us on Twitter as well. I don't want to forget to plug into Twitter. That's very important. So yeah, join us. And thank you so much again for all your support. And we'll see you soon.